are listening to Matt's Mindset, the podcast filled with everything sports and hot and cold takes that just might be true. I'm your host, Matt Boucher, and for the next 30 minutes, you'll know what it's like to live inside my mind. Welcome into the show. How's everybody doing? Hope you all had a great New Year's. Haven't spoken to you guys since last year. We got a good one for you today. You got to go over the latest news, go into the Week 17 overview and all the playoff implications. Talk about the MVP debate in the NFL between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. And then go into NBA. We're going to break down two of the games that happened last night that I thought were pretty remarkable on the rest of season and next year. And then we're going to go into the follower take submission. You can submit one on Instagram at mats.mindset. You can message me personally or I'm going to put up polls just about every couple days and you can submit one there. Well, why don't you say uh, let's, let's get into it. So we're going to start off by talking about last night. Ohio State versus Clemson in the NFL championship playoffs. Oh man, Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence. Two of the top quarterbacks in the draft class next year. The Jaguars are going to have a tough decision after watching last night as Ohio State, home of uh, Justin Fields, beat Clemson, also known as Trevor Lawrence, 49-28. to Wow, three touchdown margin. Justin Fields looks amazing. I wonder if that's going to have any implication on what the Jaguars are going to do because now Trevor Lawrence is out. He can't play in the championship. What are, what are the Jaguars going to do? Are they going to watch that game last night and look at all the stats and see how well Justin Fields played, barring an injury that he might have had, and maybe switch and turn the tides and draft Justin Fields number one? It's not that Trevor Lawrence played bad. He played good because he's one of the best quarterback prospects ever. He put up 400 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw one interception, but he had a good completion percentage. I think... The Debo Sweeney, the head coach of the Clemson Tigers, played bad. They had many opportunities. I think four opportunities that they should have gone for it on fourth down, and they didn't. Tied game, fourth and two, they didn't go for it. Down by seven, like fourth and four, they didn't go for it. These are decisions that you have to make that will set you aside in one of the best coaches in the college football that's going to set you to the college championship. Those are the decisions that made Trevor Lawrence not look as good as he actually is. You got to give your ball to the best player and you got to give the ball to Trevor Lawrence. That's that's the bottom line. In the NFL, we had a pretty big news break just yesterday. Alvin Kamara, running back of the New Orleans Saints, tested positive for COVID-19. And now all the running backs that were close contact like Latavius Murray, they're also not going to be able to play this upcoming Sunday. Now, this isn't just huge for this week 17, but if Alvin Kamara can't get back for the first round of playoffs and the Saints don't have a first round bye, they could be in trouble. We've seen in late history, as in the last three years, the Saints have super high hopes for what could be and then just see them get eliminated. Last year against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, the year before that with the no-call against the Rams in the conference championship, and the year before that with the Minnesota Miracle from Stefan Diggs. All of these things happen every year, and it just seems like this might be in line for this upcoming year as well. 
if Alvin Kamara can't play, you saw how big of a huge difference that he made. He had six touchdowns on Christmas Day. Talk about a Christmas present for all the fantasy owners. He has one of the biggest impacts on any team that any player has. And if they're missing him, they're going to really miss him. Now, week 17. So we have some pretty big games that are going to imply on what's going to happen in the playoffs. First off, the Cowboys versus the Giants. Yes, two teams, one of them being 6-9 and nine and the other being 5-10. and ten. Both of them have a chance to make the playoffs. This is crazy. If Washington loses on Sunday night against the Eagles, who are sitting Miles Sanders and Fletcher Cox and Dallas Goddard, if Washington loses, then the winner of the Cowboys vs. Giants will make the playoffs. So the Giants could make the playoffs being 6-10 and 10. without Saquon Barkley, with Danny Jones, it that would be insane. Or the Dallas Cowboys can make the playoffs. You know, you would have counted them out weeks ago when Dak Prescott got hurt. Oh, they have no chance. There's no way they're going to make the playoffs. What if I told you that the NFC East is the worst division ever? The Cowboys could make the playoffs led by Andy Dalton and a abysmal offensive line this year. Their offensive line has been ripped to shreds by injuries. And Zeke hasn't looked what he's looked in the past, but they could still make the playoffs. And that's insane to me. So a team could either make the playoffs or have a top seven pick in the draft. That's that's the win or lose situation. I think that's a win-win. So if I'm the Giants and I win and I make the playoffs, I'm like, oh, great. We have a chance to, you know, like get some playoff experience. Or if they lose, they get a really good pick. Oh, great. We can add our team for next year when Saquon gets healthy. On the other side of the ball, the AFC, there are five teams that are all 10-5. and five. five teams. Those teams including the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Browns, Titans, and the Colts. So the Colts are at the bottom, and if they lose this week, or win this week, so they could be 11-5 and five after they win this week. If those top four teams that I said, the Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, and Titans, if those four teams win, then the Colts are out, even if they win. So the Colts could be 11-5 and not make the playoffs. While on the NFC East, there's a team that could be 6-10 and and make the playoffs. It's just night and day, it seems like. Another matchup that has pretty big implications on the playoffs is the Cardinals versus the Rams. So now this is going to be a good game. The winner will automatically make the playoffs, no matter what. If the Cardinals lose, though, then they're out. So this is win or go home for them. Now, if the Rams lose and the Cardinals win, then the Rams can still make the playoffs, but they need Chicago to lose to Green Bay, which is, honestly, it's definitely possible. The Green Bay is one of the best teams in the league. Chicago's not looked as good as their defense is. But the thing is, Chicago needs to win to make the playoffs as well. So if Chicago loses, then they're out. But if they win, then they're in. It's it's simple as that. There's a lot of big things that could happen and could go down this week. There's a big race going on for the first seed in the AFC. Or I mean, in the NFC. Because in the AFC, the Chiefs clinched it already. They're 14-1, looking like the best team in the league. No, no questions asked. But on the NFC, there are three different teams that could possibly get the number one seed. Those teams being the Packers, the Saints, and the Seahawks. So the Packers, they have the easiest road to get in it. If they win against Chicago this week, then they have the first seed. But that might not be as easy as it sounds. Chicago, they're in Chicago, in Soldier Field. It's cold. 
but Aaron Rodgers likes the gold. That's that's no question. But Chicago needs to win in order to make the playoffs. So they're going to be trying their hardest. The Saints, they play, they have the second easiest road to the first seed. So if they win and the Seahawks win and the Seahawks are playing the 49ers, if both those teams win and the Packers lose, and like I said, the Chicago needs to win this week. If those three things happen, then the Saints will have the first seed. Because it's weird. If there's a three-team tie, then it goes down to the teams the play, the teams that they played, their win percentage. That's what it goes off to. So the Saints would have the, the first seed if the Saints win, the Seahawks win, and the Packers lose. Now the Seahawks, they need to win. That's, that's the first thing. And then they need the Saints to lose and then the Packers to lose. So the Saints play the Panthers this week. But as I said in the news earlier, Alvin Kamara's out. How big of an impact is that going to be? Their starting running backs would be Ty Montgomery. We haven't seen him play well, uh, like, ever. So if the Seahawks could possibly sprout from the third seed to the first seed in a matter of a week, it's going to be very interesting. The Packers, they have the easiest road to the first seed, and I think that has more implications on not just the playoffs, but also the MVP race. So there's a race going on between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes for the MVP. Now, Aaron Rodgers, he's completed 70% of his passes, which is really good. 4,059 yards, 44 touchdowns. And wait, this is the craziest part. Five interceptions. He has thrown the ball 502 times and has only thrown five interceptions. For perspective, every time he throws the ball 100 times, he'll throw one interception. So that means we shouldn't see another Aaron Rodgers interception for at least 100 more attempts, which is absolutely absurd. Now for Patrick Mahomes... He's completing 66% of his passes, so four less than Aaron Rodgers. 4,700 passing yards, so 700 more than Aaron Rodgers. 38 touchdowns, six less than Aaron Rodgers. And then six interceptions, so one more than Aaron Rodgers. And that's not a stat that you want to have more of. So compared to Rodgers, he has less of a completion percentage, more yards, more interceptions, and then less touchdowns. Going off of stats, Aaron Rodgers should win it. What he has been able to do with the serious lack of weapons of only Devontae Adams and Robert Tunyon compared to Patrick Mahomes, who has the fastest receiver in the NFL, Tyreek Hill, so good. And also the best tight end in the entire league of Travis Kelsey. Not to say what Patrick is doing isn't amazing, because it truly is. He is one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch. Every time he has the ball in his hands, you're like, oh my God, is he going to throw a 75-yard touchdown? You never know what's going to happen with him. And I think that Patrick Mahomes could eventually dethrone Tom Brady as the greatest of all time of football. But that is another day and another, another time for that topic. Where Patrick might edge Rodgers is the fact that the Chiefs are 14-1 right now. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the luxury of being able to rest the week before playoffs because they didn't lock up the first seed yet. While Patrick Mahomes already locked it up, they're 14-1. He's probably sitting at home right now with his feet up and not caring about anything except for in two weeks, who am I playing? But he doesn't have to worry about it because it's it's so far away and he's literally just relaxing right now. Both of these players have looked nothing short of completely dominant. And the Chiefs, they have looked like the best team in the league. That's where I think Patrick Mahomes might have the edge over Aaron Rodgers is going off of team wins. But that's not necessarily Rodgers' fault. Their defense isn't as good as the Chiefs. And that, that could be debatable. But I think the Chiefs have a better defense and they're more well-rounded than the Packers. 
So we're going to see, I think, if the Packers beat the Bears this week, clinch number one seed, I think Aaron Rodgers will win MVP. But I think if Aaron Rodgers plays bad this week in Soldier Field, and that's a possibility. The Bears have one of the best defenses in the league. They have Khalil Mack, who's one of the most strongest and scariest players to go up against. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well and they lose and they end up with the second or third seed, then I think Patrick Mahomes will win another MVP. But this week is definitely going to be interesting. You know, Cardinals versus Rams, like I said, that's going to be a very important match to watch this week. And DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in the league, going up against Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the league. And then having Kyler, who's one of the most entertaining quarterbacks to watch right now. But that's where the Rams are losing that, that battle. They have a backup quarterback that I don't think I've ever heard of. I don't even think I can say his name right now. I, I didn't even look at it. But Jared Goff isn't playing this weekend. That could be huge. The Rams could go from wow, they're one of them. They look really good. Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Cam Akers looked incredible a few weeks ago. They could not make the playoffs this week if they lose. And now Jared Goff isn't going to be able to play because of a hand injury that Drew Brees suffered in 2019, and he missed a couple weeks too. The Rams could be out this week, and if hey, if they win and they beat the Cardinals. They could be out next week. I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what could happen. We've seen many, many Cinderella stories. Nick Foles come in, win the Super Bowl against the Patriots. That's, that was insane. I'm not saying that this is going to happen for the Rams. Definitely not. But, you know, things, things have happened where you don't expect it, and it does. In the NBA, last night, there were some interesting games that I wanted to bring up on the show today. First, I want to talk about the Hawks-Nets game. Simply put, the Hawks looked incredible. They played a very balanced game, having six players put up double digits while also holding the Nets to 40% shooting from the field. Also, 18% from the three. Just a few days earlier, the Nets put up over 140 points. The difference between night and day is, is what is going on here. I really like what Atlanta's been doing lately. Solid bench scoring with Bogdan Bodanovic and Kevin Hooter. And Bruno Fernando is a solid defender. And Solemn Hill is a very underrated role player. The Hawks are a young team that have everything needed to succeed. Trey Young, John Collins, and Clint Capella are a solid group of three in the starting lineup. And add the play of sophomore DeAndre Hunter, who, get this, put up 23 points on 9 for 10 shooting last night and 3 for 4 from the three. He is in his second year, and he's put up 23 points on 9 for 10 shooting. That's amazing. Only one loss all season. Atlanta is here to play. On the other side of the ball, the Brooklyn Nets looked, how do I put it, abysmal. Losing three out of the last four is not a good look for this team. I'm kind of worried that the loss of Spencer Dinwiddie is having a bigger impact than expected. You know, when he first got injured, it's like, all right, they still have KD, Kyrie, Karis LeVert, really solid team all around. But I think we're underestimating the impact that Spencer Dinwiddie has on the Nets. KD looked like KD last night, dropping a calm 28 points while adding 8 boards and 4 assists. But Kyrie could have shot the ball a lot better. He only shot 2 for 10 from behind the arc, and they really needed him They really need him to step up if they want to win games. They failed to score triple digits, even though the previous night they scored over 140, like I said. One thing that I noticed that the Nets really need is Karis LeVert. They need Karis to play like he did in the bubble. Karras was an all-star-like player when in the bubble just this past year. They need that second team to come in and give the starters some confidence. Karras 
KD and Kyrie need to feel like Karras is just, they don't have to worry about him. But last night, Karras had a plus minus of negative 15. That means that the total amount that Karras was on the floor, the Hawks scored 15 more points than the Nets. That's not good. So that means anytime Karras came in, they're most likely going to lose until the starters came back in. I think that they had a bad day. I think the Brooklyn Nets did not play to their full capacity. Not at all. But I don't think that this was a fluke. I see more bad days in their future. And unless they can fix the defense problem, I do not think the Nets will be able to make it all the way. And that might be a bold statement. A lot of people have the Nets winning it all with KD and Kyrie. But Spencer Dinwiddie's hurt. And I'm worried. I, I can't overstate that. I'm worried about this Brooklyn Nets team. DeAndre Jordan is not who he used to be. They have to stop giving him minutes. Let Jared Allen get the full reign to the kingdom. Let him develop. You're not getting anything more out of DeAndre Jordan than you would out of Jared Allen. I essentially look at them as the same player. They both rebound great. They both play great defense, and they can finish at the rim. Nothing more, nothing less. Jared Allen's a lot younger. He has a lot more potential. Get DeAndre Jordan out of there. Give him 10 minutes give Jared Allen the rest. That's it. Let DeAndre Jordan be a guy that's going to give Jared Allen rest. That's it. And then once Jared Allen's ready to get back in, put him back in. That's all. I am worried about this Nets team. I can't. Like I said before, I'm I'm worried. If KD or Kyrie get hurt, and they have a prone history of getting hurt, this Nets team might not make the playoffs. Karis LeVert can't do it all, and we're seeing this right now. He's trying to lead the second team, and it's not going well. I'm basing this off of last game. You know, I might be wrong. That next game, they could put up over 140 points. Karis could drop 30, but that might not be the case. I'm worried about this Nets team. The other team I wanted to talk about was the Trailblazers-Warriors game. The Trailblazers. Wow. If you're in the West right now, I'm, I'm scared of the Trailblazers. CJ and Dame combined for 62, and that's just another night for them. That's what it feels like. They dropped over 70 against the Rockets the other night. Covington, who they got from the Rockets for, a, I don't even know, it was a terrible trade. Covington is arguably the best role player in the entire league. If you're in the NBA and Robert Covington is on your team, you're a happy man. He does everything that you want. He doesn't ask for the ball that much. But when he gets the ball, he can shoot the ball really well. He's also one of the best defenders in the league. If you see Robert Covington guarding you, you're probably not going to score. He's a really good rebounder, and he's just solid all around. They have one of the best benches right now. Carmelo is old, but he's shooting the ball really well. Ennis Cantor off the bench is one of the best rebounders in the second teams of the league. Rodney Hood's a good shooter, and... You guys know how much I love Gary Trent. He was hurt last last night, but they still smacked the Warriors. And that's not saying much. Excluding Curry, who is still so much fun to watch, running him, watching him run around and shoot threes. Nothing on this team gives me any sort of hope that they can make any sort of playoff, playoff run this year. James Wiseman's a rookie, and he's been inconsistent, but that is to be expected. He, he's been shooting the mid-range pretty well. But he shot two for eight last night, and that's not what you want out of a big man. Draymond was back, coming off of an injury, but on a minute restriction, and he didn't really do much. He shot like 0 for 3 with four rebounds, four assists, but that's what he does. DeAndre Jordan is a guy that's going to show up on the stat sheet. He's a defensive presence, 
and not really a presence on the offensive side. Oubre is still a brick from the three-point line, shooting 0-4 last night. He's got to make a three. Come on, Kelly. Just just one, please. Wiggins shot okay, I guess. 42% isn't horrible, 5 for 12. But 57% from the free-throw line? Just a couple years ago, he was the number one picked. He looked good. And now he, he can't even make his free-throws? Eric Paschal, I'd say, was the the Warriors' biggest bright spot last night. He looked like he wanted to win, putting up a plus-minus of positive 5, 71% shooting at 13 points. I think everyone is starting to realize how much of a dis- difference Clay Thompson makes. They need his elite shooting, but also his elite defense. CJ McCollum probably wouldn't have dropped 30 if Clay Thompson was on him all night, but you never know. I like this team's odds next year, when hopefully everyone is healthy, but this year I don't see any playoff chances and I bet they get a top seven pick in the draft. The next game I wanted to talk about was the Washington Wizards against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, on the last episode, you heard me talk about how I think the Wizards could be the sixth seed. With Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, what's holding them back? Well, the answer might be Russell Westbrook. They were so close to going 0-6. They were 0-5 going into tonight, and they were down or up by three at halftime. I don't know what changed, but in the third quarter, the Wizards outscored the T-Wolves 40-14, to led by Bradley Beal, who put up 14. Now, the Timberwolves were without Carl Towns, so this should have been an easy win for the Wizards, even without Russell Westbrook. But the difference between this game for the Wizards and just a few nights going against the Bulls when Westbrook did play was insane. The Washington Wizards were hitting their shots. They hit 55% of their shots. Thomas Bryant is looking elite. 18 points and 7 boards. He's one of the best big men for Washington right now. He was also one of the 8 players to score in double figures. The Washington Wizards shot their season high of 55% from the field and had their best game of the season easily. On the other side of the ball, the T-Wolves looked not good. Not good at all. D'Angelo Russell scored 14 points and had 5 turnovers on 6-16 shooting. Yikes. Not to mention that when he was on the floor, he had a plus-minus of negative 32. That is truly unacceptable. Without Carl, Russell needs to step up. He cannot be the reason that they are losing games. He cannot be having a plus-minus of negative 32. You don't see that in a star player. I want to see D'Angelo Russell that we all saw when he was on the Nets in his last year. He looked like a star then, and I'm not sure what changed. Cat needs to come back. For any chance of a win, but I think this will be yet another disappointing season for the Minnesota Timberwolves with very little bright spots. And the final game that we'll be talking about today on the show is the Miami Heat against the Dallas Mavericks game last night. As I've said before, I like the Heat. I really do. They're a fun team to watch. They play fast and with a lot of passion, but what the heck happened last night? Jimmy Butler just came back from an injury, and I get it. He was on a bit of a minutes restriction, but he shot 0 for 6 and had the worst plus-minus on the team of negative 18. Now, as I said before with D'Angelo Russell, your star can't have the worst plus-minus on your team. Your star player, who should be getting the most minutes, although Jimmy didn't get it, shouldn't have the, the worst impact on your team. You know, maybe he, they should have restricted their, his minutes more because he did not look the same Jimmy in the bubble. 
And he he came off an injury, and I get it. But they should have rested him and get him back to full health. Now, what's the Heat's greatest strength? Their three-point shooting, obviously. On Christmas, we saw it raining threes, especially from Duncan Robinson, who set a record. But last night, he shot one for eight from three. Tyler Hero played okay. Now, he's not just a three-point shooter. He can get the midi, and he can get to the hoop when he wants to. He shot one for four from three. Negron Dragic, he's also a great shooter. He shot 0 for 6 from the 3. Kelly Olenek, whose main objective is to get rebounds and shoot threes, shot 2 for 7 from 3. I know why they only put up the 83 points and lost the Mavericks by double digits. It's quite simple. Just an off night. That's it. Ban looked great, putting up 19 points and 11 rebounds and adding 4 steals, but he cannot do it all. In order for this team to have a success and a chance at making another deep run, they have to be making their threes. Your greatest strength cannot be your greatest weakness in a night. You know, maybe the Mavs had a good scheme against them, but still, you cannot expect to win games shooting 21% from three. I expect the Heat to bounce back. I do. I think Jimmy Butler will get back to where he was, and they have a very solid team. Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, Avery Bradley off the bench. Goran Dragic off the bench. I think they're a very good team, and they had an off night, and I fully expect them to get back to where they were. Maybe not to the finals, but definitely a good run in the playoffs. On the other side, Luka Doncic is so entertaining to watch. You cannot help but wonder what is going to happen when he has the ball. He's kind of like a Patty Mahomes. Like When when Patty Mahomes has the ball, you're like, oh my God, is he going to throw a 75-yard touchdown? I said this before. Now, when Luka Doncic has the ball, you're like, oh my God, is he going to pull up from 30 feet out? Is he going to do a behind-the-back 360 pass to Dwight Powell? You never know what's going to happen when he has the ball. He's a very crafty player that I think could leave the Mavs to the playoffs. But he kind of has to shoot better. You know, He shot 40% from the field. But he also added 15 rebounds and 7 assists and had 27 points, which is great. But he shot 30% from the three-point line. Now, that is somewhere where Luka struggled last year. He shot around 30, maybe a little less than 30 last year. And I think that's what they need out of him. He's going to get his 10 rebounds at least and his almost double-digit assists and almost 30 points every night. But if he can shoot more efficiently and shoot better from the three-point line especially, then I think the Mavs will have a very good chance at making a good run in the playoffs. The Mavs played great defense, holding the Heat to 83, but they only put up 93. And that's okay, because they they got the win, and that's the main goal. But I like this team, and they really need Chris Porzingis to get back. Their starter right now, Dwight Powell, played 28 minutes and scored 2 points. He shot 0-for-1 from the field. Now, I get it. That's that's not his goal. He gets rebounds. He got eight of them last night, and that's that's not his his thing. He doesn't shoot the ball. He doesn't get a lot of points. He's there for rebounds and defense, but that's not good. That's, that's one player that the other team can basically rule out of the equation on offense. That is why they need Chris Tapps bringing us back, because he can rebound just as good as Dwight Powell, and he can actually score. We saw Chris Tapps bringing us easily putting up over 20 a night. I'm excited to see how this team will be able to to play and score when Chris Tapps comes back because he's that added dimension that they needed. I have the Mavs at the five seed, and I do think they'll be able to do that, but they're not going to get there without Chris Tapps. He makes, makes more of a difference than you realize. He's a great shot blocker, great rebounder, and he adds that dimension to the floor 
where you have to watch out. All right, Chris, where's Chris Stapps? Is he going to shoot the ball? Because you can't keep track of Luka and Chris Stapps. They're a great duo, and I think they need him in order to make the playoffs. Now next, we'll be doing the follower take submission. As I said before, you can submit one to me on Instagram at mats.mindset. I'm also going to be making a Twitter, but you can't do that yet because I haven't made it yet. So you can submit one on Instagram at mats.mindset. You can message me personally, or I do put up polls every few days. So today's submission is coming from Joe Falcone underscore on Instagram. He said that the Pelicans will make it to the second round of the playoffs. Now, I like this. It's bold. It's, it's hot. But in order for the Pelicans to make the second round of the playoffs, they're going to be around the seventh seed. It's, that's where I have them in my projections. And if the Lakers are the second seed, they're going to have to play the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. And that would be a really bold take. And if it comes true, that would be amazing. To see the Pelicans with Zion and Lonzo and Brandon Ingram to overtake LeBron James and make it to the second round, It'd be really interesting to see because Miami Heat, nobody expected them to make the finals, and they just got some confidence and made it all the way. You know, maybe the Pelicans do the same thing. Good take, Joe. And you can send one in at Matt's Mindset Instagram. Have a great day, everybody.